0: I don't know uh, if you know what a stereogram is. Uh, You may know what one is, um, just not know it by that name. Uh, When I was a a child at Christmas, we'd often get given uh, books like this which had uh, lots of uh, pictures of strange patterns. And if you just looked at the pattern, that's all you could see, the pattern. But if you made your eyes go cross-eyed, And if you stared at it long enough, you could see another picture within the picture. Do you know what I'm talking about? You may have seen these allusions. If you haven't, just Google it later or uh, find. You can see these stereograms. Uh, And the point of them was that looking at it in one way meant you saw one picture. But if you looked at it in another, you saw something completely different. And in a sort of loose sort of way, that's what we have when we read this chapter, Mark chapter 13. Uh, When read in one way, we see one thing, but when read in another, we see something else. Uh, Let me just read the opening to the uh, chapter again. Uh, It says that Jesus, having entered into Jerusalem uh, with his disciples, uh, is looking around. And he and his disciples, or disciples at least, are amazed and uh, awestruck by the uh, beauty of the buildings on the temple mount. Uh, It says in verse 1, Then as he went out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, "Teacher, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. And Jesus answered and said to him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone should be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, the disciples were amazed at the wonderful buildings and the uh, beautiful structures around them. Uh, obviously, I was in London last weekend, and you can uh, understand something of the uh, feelings the disciples must have felt when you look at the uh, things like Marble Arch and uh, some of the great uh, ancient old buildings in London. Uh, you perhaps get a sense of what they would have felt when they looked at the glistening white buildings of the Temple Mount. And yet Christ says, the day's coming when they'll all be destroyed. Uh, not one stone will be left upon Another, What seemed so glorious and permanent and wonderful to the disciples, Jesus saw as merely man-made and temporary and soon to pass away. Understandably, this raises questions in the disciples' mind, and that's what we read in the next couple of verses. Uh, It says, Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple... Peter, James, John and Andrew asked him privately, tell us, when will these things be and what will be the sign when all these things will be fulfilled? Jesus just told them that the temple will be destroyed. Uh, Not one stone will stand upon another. And the disciples, understandably, ask, well, when is this going to happen? When are all these things going to pass away? When is this going to be fulfilled? This word you have spoken, and then Jesus speaks the words that we read earlier. So primarily, uh, Christ is speaking of in these verses the destruction of the Jerusalem temple, and it's a remarkable prophecy. Uh, I don't know if you noticed what Christ said towards the end that. Verse 30, he said, Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. And sure enough, if we take a generation to be 40 years approximately, about 40 years, a little bit less, after this, in 70 AD, we see that the temple uh, uh, truly was destroyed by the Roman armies and the city of Jerusalem with it. And Christ's words become, uh, are verified. His prophecy is fulfilled. Uh, These buildings, which seem so permanent and wonderful, were flattened by the Romans. But that's not all. Jesus has to say in this passage Uh, like I said regarding that stereogram uh, that is the basic obvious meaning of these verses but there are hints throughout that Christ has more in view as well there is more to see if we're willing to look for it uh, the Bible makes very clear that history runs in patterns. Uh, there are themes which come back around and around. Uh, if you're a musician here this evening, you'll know in music this can happen where there are themes which are developed and which grow in a piece of music. And the music comes back, but it adds something extra. And throughout history, it's, the sim- it's similar uh, Similar events happen and they come round again and again. Uh, Leaders rise up and gather followers to themselves and uh, are ultimately brought to destruction. Uh, However high their pretensions might be, it comes to nothing in the end. And in this passage, although primarily speaking about the destruction of Jerusalem... As believers living today, we are to see in it instruction and warning to us also as we approach the second coming of Christ. Christ came then in judgment on Jerusalem, but he is coming again to judge the world. Then it was just the nation and the city of Jerusalem. But then it will be the entire globe. And so the instructions that Jesus gives to his disciples here, especially in light of the upcoming destruction of Jerusalem, are equally applicable to us as we look forward to his coming in judgment when the world itself will be judged Jesus wants to prepare us. He wants us to be ready for that day. The tragedy, of course, though, is that many Christians uh, throughout history uh, have relied too much on their own understanding and have not listened to what Christ actually says. And many Christians have gone off on Uh, ridiculous sort of tangents with all sorts of weird and wonderful theories about the second coming and have not listened closely to what Christ actually says. Um, Apparently after 14 years of studying the Bible, a a believer called William Miller uh, became convinced that Christ would return in 1843. Uh, when miller announced april the 3rd as the day uh, some of his disciples uh, went to the mountaintops uh, hoping for a head start to heaven i'm pretty sure it doesn't work that way but that's what they did uh, others went to the graveyards uh, planning to ascend to heaven uh, in reunion reunite, reunited with their departed loved ones um, society ladies clustered together outside town because they didn't want to enter God's kingdom with the common people. Uh, but when April the 4th dawned as usual, uh, the Millerites, as they were known, were dis- disillusioned and took, uh, um, they thought all their hopes had come to nothing. But then their leader, uh, William Miller, uh, predicted uh, a further range of dates for Christ's the term. Uh, they still had until March the 21st, 1844. Uh, the devout continued to make ready, but again were disappointed. Uh, Miller made a third date, October the 22nd, 1844. Uh, but that too passed. See, this man, William Miller, thought he could predict a date Uh, he thought he knew something that others didn't unfortunately he had not listened to what Christ said what did Christ say he said verse 32 of our chapter of that day and hour no one knows not even the angels in heaven nor the son but only the father take heed watch and pray for you do not know when the time is. <laughs> Can't be any more simple than that, can it? We do not know when the time is. It is not worth trying to predict the day. It's unknown even to Christ himself, only the Father. Jesus isn't interested in giving us a precise date. What Christ is concerned about is that we are ready whenever that day comes. That is his chief concern. And that begs the question, well, how do we get ready? How do we make sure we're ready for the day Christ comes back? And in this passage, Christ gives three very, very, very clear instructions. Uh, We're not going to worry too much about the details tonight of when this, 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 and this is going to happen because Christ gives three very clear, very practical instructions to each and every one of us to get ready for that day. Uh, The first thing he says is do not be deceived. The second thing he says is do not be troubled. And thirdly, he says watch and pray. It says, don't be deceived, don't be, troub- don't be troubled, and watch and pray. And we're going to look at those three things in turn now. Let's look at the first one. Uh, Jesus says to us, do not be deceived. Let me look at verse 5. Uh, verse 5, it says, and Jesus answering them began to say, take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am he and will deceive many. But when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be troubled, for such things must happen. But the end is not yet. Jesus says, take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come and will say, I am the Christ. But Jesus says, do not be deceived. Christ warned that there would be people who would be false Christs, false Saviours. Many would proclaim themselves to be the Saviour of men's souls. Uh, In the time when Jesus was speaking, many thought the Messiah, the Christ, uh, would be a military leader and he would boot out the Romans and he would establish God's kingdom on earth. And so they were on the lookout for a military leader who would do what they hoped for. Even some of Jesus' own disciples expected that of Christ. And after Christ ascended back to heaven, there were uh, Jewish leaders who led various uh, uprisings. And people wondered if they were the Christ. Uh, And Christ warns, no, do not be deceived by anyone claiming to be the Messiah, And we can have the same danger even today. Perhaps for us it's not necessarily a military leader in the same way it was for them back then. Uh, But we need to beware. We need to beware uh, being deceived by politicians, uh, by doctors, by philosophers, or religious leaders, or anyone who claims to have the answers that are found in Christ alone. Uh, is an easy trap to fall into. Uh, Politics. I think we're living in an age, aren't we, where uh, things get very political very quickly. And there is a danger that we can think our hope rests in a certain political leader or in a certain political party. And if they don't get in power, then what will become of us? There's a danger in going down that route because we start to think that safety and security lies in some human system or ruler and not in Christ. Uh, It doesn't matter how great a prime minister we have. It doesn't matter how biblical or otherwise the policies the government enacts are. Uh, If they are mere men, it will come to nothing in the end. Jesus said, didn't he, my kingdom is not of this world. If it was, my disciples would fight but that's not where God's kingdom is. Uh, We should not set our hope on such things. Uh, A few years ago, Barack Obama was pretty openly described as a Messiah-like figure, Uh, this uh, figure who finally would unite the United States and uh, end any suggestion of racism for all time being the first black president. Well, how's that turned out? Um, 20, well, how many, 10 or so years has it been now? Uh, It wasn't the dawn that people thought it would be, and it never could have been. Uh, Even today, uh, many people, even Christians among them, view people like Donald Trump as some sort of Messiah-like figure. And if only he could get in power again, then all the problems would disappear and things would be so much better. But, again, it's putting hope in the wrong place. Obviously, we need to vote. Uh, We need to uh, make political choices. Uh, We want to make good political choices, But Christ is warning, that's not where our hope lies. Uh, This world is heading for destruction. It doesn't mean we should be fatalistic, but it means we should be realistic about where this world is. There is no Messiah, there is no Christ outside Jesus Christ himself. Jesus says, beware, take heed that no one deceives you. Don't take your eyes off him. We need to read God's words because it shows us what is true. It shows us what is good. And I've said this many times before, but the way you protect yourself from being deceived is not by learning every possible lie. That'd be impossible. How could you hope to study every lie that exists? The way you defend yourself against lies is by knowing the truth really, really well. Uh, I'm told that's how forgeries are spotted. Uh, people are trained to know what the true, the genuine looks like. And so when they see the fake, they can spot it because they know the truth so well. And it's the same with us. And we should look and listen to Christ closely and that's how we will avoid being deceived So that's the first very clear instruction christ gives us to prepare to be ready for the end do not be deceived keep your eye fixed on christ but he goes further uh, he gives us another instruction he says do not be troubled and look again at verse 7 Uh, Jesus says, but when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be troubled. For such things must happen, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be earthquakes in various places and there will be famines and troubles. These are the beginnings of sorrows. Jesus warned uh, very clearly that there would be wars and rumours of wars, earthquakes, famines, troubles of various sort in the world. And we can see that, can't we? (laughs) I think it's a fairly accurate way we could sum up the world right now. Uh, Turkey and Syria, earthquake just, it was this year, wasn't it, this year? Uh, Pestilence. Uh, don't need to go into that. Um, wars, Ukraine, Russia, perhaps Taiwan. Uh, all these things are very real to us, aren't they? And many Christians are aware that Christ warned that such things would happen, but many Christians forget or don't notice what Jesus said in the middle. <laughs> of those verses. Let me read it again. He says, but when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be troubled for such things must happen, but the end is not yet. Uh, So many Christians, I hear it all the time and some earthquake hits and there's a huge tragedy and sure enough, pretty soon you'll get a Christian piping up saying that it's an evidence that the second coming is just around the corner. But that's not what Jesus said. (laughs) What Jesus said was, when you see these things happen, don't be troubled. And the end is not yet. These are the beginning of troubles. And yet, so many... Christians can work themselves up into a tizzy and get very anxious and get very excitable about whatever tragedy hits this world and will expect people to respond with similar anxiety, even though that's the exact opposite of what Christ instructed us. Jesus said, bad things are going to happen in this world. They're going to continue to happen. And although they are tragic, and although they are distressing, and although they should make us weep, they should not cause us to be anxious. Uh, They're not a sign that this world is out of control They're a sign, in fact, that the world is in God's control. Jesus said they would happen, and they are happening. Everything is going according to plan. We may be distressed, but we need not be anxious. God will protect us. He will guide us safely through the response is not shrill panic or uh, a source of nervous uh, panic driven um, preaching that the end is nigh instead the response is quiet faith in what Jesus has said he will Preserve our souls like Lot and his daughters, he will bring us safely out of Sodom. Uh, it won't be fun in the meantime. Uh, there may be many dangers and difficulties to be gone through, but nevertheless, we need not be afraid. Christ will look after us until the end. So when we see of earthquakes, when we hear of wars. We hear rumours of wars, don't respond with anxiety. <clears throat> instead, listen to what Christ actually said. So it's the first two instructions. First, Jesus says, Don't be deceived. Secondly, he says, Don't be troubled, don't be anxious. But lastly, he gives us a positive instruction of what we should do instead. He says, instead, watch and pray. And to see this, you'll need to look towards the end of the passage. Uh, Verse 32, Jesus said, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. Take heed, watch and pray, for you do not know when the time is. Jesus says we need to watch because it's by watching that we can avoid being deceived. If we're sleeping, if we're not alert, then we may be deceived by the other voices of this world. We may start to seek salvation in other things but Christ. Jesus says watch out. Watch and be aware. Beware that you are not deceived. But then he says, pray. Instead of succumbing to nervous anxiety and wondering what will become of us, turn that anxiety into prayer. Take it to him. Take it to the one who is in control. Uh, Every time there's an earthquake... Every time there's another war, Uh, every time we hear of some catastrophe which seems to get increasingly closer and closer to home, instead of caving into fear, turn that fear into prayer. Watch and pray. Sadly, I think one of the reasons... Uh, so many Christians are fascinated with the whole subject of the second coming uh, isn't because they want to obey Christ's instruction here. Uh, The reason so many Christians are fascinated by the topic of the second coming is because of pride. Uh, They want to be able to say, I know something you don't know. And they want to have that kind of smug satisfaction that we have a kind of inside track. We're in the inner circle of people who know something everyone else doesn't. But that's just pride, pure and simple. That's not what Christ, that's not the spirit Christ wants us to have. Instead he says, simply watch and pray. You don't know when it is? We don't need to know when it is. We need to be ready all the time, regardless of what happens in this world. Uh, it me of a story I heard of a man called Colonel Davenport, and he was a speaker of the Connecticut House of Representatives. And on May the nineteenth, uh, seventeen eighty. Apparently, the sky of Hartford, where they were gathered, uh, darkened ominously. Uh, Whether it was an eclipse or not, I don't know. Uh, But some of the representatives gathered together, glancing out of the window, were afraid that the end was at hand. And they started to panic. But Colonel Davenport called for calm. And he rose and he said this. He said, the day of judgment is either approaching or it isn't. If it isn't, there's no cause for an adjournment of this meeting. If it is, I choose to be found doing my duty. Therefore, I wish that candles be brought. (laughs) Rather than succumbing to our anxious fear of what might be about to happen... That Colonel Davenport kept on task. He kept on the job that he had been given. That's what it means to watch and pray. We have a job to do. Uh, Jesus has told us it quite clearly. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. Uh, We're to love our neighbours. We're to love our families and our friends. We're to be, in however feeble a way, a little reflection of Christ to those around us. And that task doesn't change whether Christ comes back tomorrow or in a thousand years. It doesn't matter. We do not need to know the time. All we need to do is know what it is that Christ wants us to do, and then we'll be ready when He comes. It's like the story of the little girl who heard there was going to be a desk inspection at school, and uh, she tried to find out when the inspection would be so that she could prepare and tidy up her desk just before the inspection, but Uh, she tried to find out and and simply couldn't find out that they said it could come at any moment and glumly she said well in that case I suppose I better keep it tidy all the time (laughs) and that's the point, (laughs) we need to be always ready because we don't know when it's going to be that's Christ's instruction to us regardless of all the details which I'm sure have their place and We can perhaps discuss um, and try to work out exactly how it's all going to play out. But regardless of all of that, Christ's instructions to us are clear. First of all, do not be deceived by others claiming to be Christ. Secondly, do not be troubled. Do not be alarmed. Do not be anxious. Everything will play out according to God's good timing. Instead, we need to watch and pray. And then we will be ready when he returns. And That's why I've chosen as our last hymn. I couldn't really pick any other hymn, I don't think. It's number 710. Uh, 710. Christians, seek not yet repose. Cast thy dreams of ease away. Thou art in the midst of foes. Watch and pray. So we'll stand to sing in closing number 710.